0: You're listening to a message from Heritage Christian Fellowship in San Clemente, California. For more information, go to heritagesc.org. And right now, we are in the middle of a sermon series, actually, sort of in the beginning, and it's the I Am Sermon Series, where Jesus made seven proclamations of what He is. The first week, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Last week, Jared preached about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life, and today I'm going to talk about the statement which Jesus made in John 8:12. and Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So we're going through this because one of the themes we feel God wants us to pay attention to is to make Jesus our primary focus at Heritage once again. Um, now more than ever, there seems to be so many things that are calling for attention. Sometimes they're shouting at us for our attention, and many of those things are good and noteworthy. However, our primary focus should always be Jesus. In fact, um, we as a church feel one of the themes that God is, is 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 highlighting this year is to return to our first love. And you know, isn't that why we're here anyway? Because of Jesus. You know, he's been so good to us. I mean, we're different. I I know at our home group this week, we started talking about like, um, actually Celeste in the back, she she brought up the, the question, she said, would any of us even be friends or ever talk if it wasn't for Jesus? And I was like, it's so true. I mean, we're different, we're diverse, age, background, so much, but what our commonality is, is we have one father, and his name is Jesus, and so we're family. Can we just open our hands one more time and just thank Jesus. Jesus, it's hard to talk about you without wanting to worship you and love you. You're so good. We love you, Jesus. It's all about you, Lord. It's all about you. Lord, I ask that our passion and our love for you would grow stronger than it's ever been as a church and as individuals. Amen. All right, so today uh, I am going to talk from John eight twelve. And it's a statement which G- when Jesus said, he, it says in verse 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so my goal this morning is to help restore confidence and clarity to you, because it's really been a shaky time. Um not just in our world, but here in our church. It feels like things are especially dark in our world these days, and we need the light now more than ever, outside and inside our church. You know, it's been a difficult season for us. It's been a difficult season for me personally, Um, but the Lord showed me some things this week that really inspired hope, and it was because if I felt the light of Jesus shine a little again this week in my life, and I really wanted to share that insight with you I received this week, and it brought me a lot of hope. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll dive right in. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. Lord, that sometimes at our darkest moments, you break through and you give us hope, that ray of hope, because you are light, Lord and that hope isn't a false hope the hope is you because you are light you are our hope and we love you bless these words let them not be my words let them be your words and use them lord to penetrate the hearts of those listening right now In jesus name amen um so Let's look at this verse and dissect it. First, the background. It says, when Jesus spoke again to the people. So Jesus was saying this after he celebrated what they call the Feast of Booths. And this was found in Leviticus. Another word was uh, the Feast of Tabernacles or the Sukkoth. Um, And so basically, this celebration was a traditional celebration, and it was a time to thank God for the preceding year's provisions and to pray for a good rainy season on the next year. And the festival was designed to remember the wilderness journey from Egypt to Canaan or the Promised Land. And for them, the purpose was they don't forget uh, it was God who brought them from slavery into the Promised Land. And then one of the things they did during that uh, uh, feast was um, the torches were lit and brought light to commemorate the time when God provided his presence in a pillar of fire. Remember when he was leading the children of Israel out? And it, it was used for them to guide their way and to guide them in their flight from Egypt to the promised land. So Jesus, by saying that, he identifies himself as the true and ultimate light of God's presence by which people lost in darkness find eternal rest in the promised land of heaven. And as the light of the world, he would dispel the darkness of sin that had separated us from God. So the next part of that verse uh, says, when Jesus spoke to, again to the people, this is what he said. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's in this reference that Jesus declares, he says, I am the light of the world, not merely Israel, but the entire world to anybody, anywhere. And what is Jesus saying? He's pointing to his divinity and to his relationship with his Father. What does that mean? That means he is the source of life. We must take this seriously, these beautiful words, because Jesus wasn't some politician with an empty promise that after the election's over he would forget. The Lord means to fulfill these words in any human life back then and still today. And he he because he is the light of the world and he and the people who follow Jesus will have light on their path. And it's a wonderful promise. Um, there's nothing we need more in the world today than light on our path, wouldn't you say? It feels like there's a lot of darkness around both, both as a nation, as a world, in our church, individually, in our community. Um, the world seems just so dark right now, and most people are scared because it's scary to walk around in the dark. You, you ever have those experiences where you, know, you find yourself walking and it's pitch black or it's dark? Um, I remember for us, uh, as a family, an uh, experience I had, we used to go every year to Forest Home. Uh, they had family camps. anybody ever been to Forest Home? It's up in the mountains, and we went like for eight years at family camp. And it's during the summer; uh, during, it's a week long experience, and they have programs for the whole kids. Sadly, this is actually the first time they've never been able to do family camp this summer. It's all closed down because of the COVID. But uh, we used to go every summer, and one of our favorite things we we did there as a family we went on the zip line. anybody ever do a zip line? It was the first time I ever did, and it's really fun. So it was always open in the day, and we'd go from our cabin, and we'd go down the hill. We'd cross the creek on a bridge, and then you would go past the pond through the woods, climb up a little hill, and it's on the far side of the campus. And one night, they, um, they opened it up for a night zipline. And we had been there a couple years, and we're like, you know, we got to try this. I, I sort of like adventures and stuff like that. So my wife and I, we couldn't find the kids, so we went back to the cabin, and we thought, you know, we want to go. So we looked for flashlights, and we didn't have any flashlights. Um, So we decided, well, we'll just go anyway. So we climbed down the hill, we go over the bridge, and then the bridge, there was light, and that hill, there was light, but beyond that, there was no lights, and we had no flashlights. So we start walking along, and, you know, we were a little late, so we were kind of walking briskly, then when there was no lights, we just were like you know, kind of like this. I didn't want to poke something, and, you know, we were like this, and we were holding on to each other, and then we were, you know, going by where the pond was, and we couldn't see anything, and all of a sudden, we heard this, and we looked, and we couldn't see anything. The night before, there was a black bear in our, in our, in, in, you know, at, at the facility, and it's black bear country up there, so I was thinking, oh, Great, right, I'm faster than Alvirus, so I probably will live. No, um, <laughs> I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. I'd lay down my life for her for sure. But no, I mean we were scared, and we thought, you know what? What is going to happen? Because it was so dark, and when it's dark, it's scary because we don't know where we're going. Um, that's why it's so comforting to know that because Jesus is the light of the world, we don't have to walk in darkness. And you know, when we have light, things are easy, things feel safe, we have perspective. Sometimes we can see for miles on a clear day, we know where we're going, and it's safer. It's much safer to walk in the daytime than it is at night, and it's secure, it's comforting. When there's light, it's warm, it's healthy, it's inviting, and people feel happy in the light. Um, But in darkness, it's just the opposite. It's scary, it's scary. It's hidden. You can't see where you're going. You don't even want to move because you get frozen and you're worried and it's dangerous. You know, thieves generally operate in the darkness. I mean, is that why we put lights on our house at night so people won't break in? And it's cold, it's lonely, and it's fearful. But when you experience the light of Christ in your life, two things happen. First, you experience life and where there is light, there is life. Things grow in the light. And Jesus brings us life and grows us in our spiritual life. Specifically, when the light of Christ comes into your life, you will discover three things. Who Jesus is, who you are, and who you are in Christ. And I had that personal experience And I wanted to share a little bit of my testimony this morning of how I how how I answered those three questions and those three revelations of who Jesus is, who I was, and who I who I am now in Christ. And we have a teaching team, um, and when we were talking about uh, this series and who's going to take what on the I Am series, I really jumped at the chance to take I Am the Light of the World because I actually had an experience where. I experienced the actual light of Christ in my life. And it was amazing. It changed me forever. And I actually saw the light of Jesus in my mind's eye. And I want to give you some background and share how that happened. Um, so I grew up in a great Christian home, going to church often. We went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, often during the week. I mean, as a kid, I didn't have a choice, but I still liked it. Um, and ever since I remember, I always believed in Jesus I love Jesus, and I did my best to obey him, to follow him. But as I got older, I noticed two things happened in my life. First of all, I kind of came across and met certain people that seemed they, they, know, they knew Jesus in a better way than I did. It's like, yeah, I knew Jesus, but then I would meet these people, and it, it almost felt like they had this super close relationship with Jesus, something I didn't have. Like, um, I, can you imagine, I remember when I grew up in high school, uh, Ronald Reagan was the president, and everybody had an opinion about Ronald Reagan. And, uh, but then there's certain people who knew Ronald Reagan, who met Ronald Reagan, who played golf with Ronald Reagan, and they had a better perception of Ronald Reagan because they knew him. All of the rest of us, we just kind of, we thought we knew him, but we knew him from a distance. And that was kind of, I knew these people, it was like they were best buddies with God and with Jesus. And the first one was a girl at my church I grew up with, and she was only about a year older. I think her name was Margot, And she just had this connection with Jesus. When she talked about him, it was as if she knew him. And she was about my age, and kids my age didn't really talk like she did. And she had a really rough background, came from a very difficult family background, but I came to find out later when she was young, she, ha- she was at such a broken place that she had an encounter where actually Jesus, she felt the presence of Jesus come into her room and she had this amazing one-on-one with God. And she said her life was forever changed. It was kind of like you ever hear those stories in the Middle East where people would have a vision of the man in white and it was like an encounter with Jesus, it hooked him. And she had that similar one. So afterwards I thought, you know, that makes sense. And another one was my grandfather. He was just a man of God. And whenever he talked about God, it was like he was talking about his best friend that he knew and that who knew him. And it was like, well, let me tell you what God told me this morning. I mean, it was just amazing. And then even in our church here, we do have people who you meet them and you just like, they know God. Uh, The the one that comes to mind, anybody remember Minka? Minka? For those of you who don't know her, she died at 102, and she got saved later in life, but she was a fiery gal, and she knew Jesus. Like, you couldn't help but get inspired by God when you were around her, because she just knew her. She knew Jesus. Um, and the other, So that was the first thing I noticed. The other thing I noticed is as I got older, I started to doubt my faith. You know, and it's kind of common for people who grew up in church. Like I went to high school, you know, and I, I started meeting people outside the church. All my friends were outside the church. And then I went to college and I experienced a completely different worldview. Uh, people who didn't go to church didn't believe in Jesus, and professors who actually hated Jesus. And you know, you hear that. Like people, kids who grew up in church, they go off to college and they, they lose their faith. And that was happening to me. Um and I, I came to a point when I, and, but you know what, I had a, my family was Christian, I was all, I wasn't a, bit, a big rebel back then, well, i still not, I guess, but, um, you know, my parents, uh, I had a loyalty for them, I just thought, well, this is my faith, and I have to stick with it, you know, because this is my tradition, but I, I bet you, if there would have been this amazing debater, he could have, we could have, and we would have spent hours together, he probably could have talked me out of my faith, I, I was at that point, um, but then that all changed in 1991. And that's what I want to share because I had an encounter with Jesus as the light of the world. Um, so I remember I was in school and my parents invited me back home and they said, hey, we're, we they had these missionary uh, family that they supported for years. And they said, hey, the Schistlers are going to come to town and I want you to come and hear them. And it was a Sunday night service. So I went to the service and they started talking about this move of God in Montevideo, Uruguay. And it sounded amazing. They were just talking about how God was moving. God was just saving people who never knew anything about Jesus. And they would come in, and people would just be, you know, overcome by the presence of God. It was kind of like those old revival stories that, uh, that you read about these days. And then they had these Americans who actually visited them, and they gave their testimonies, and they're like, yeah, I, I went over there. And they were saying the same thing. And then afterwards... They, they invited anybody who wanted to experience what th- was going on in Uruguay r- in that church that night. And I thought to myself, you know what? I- I'm going to, what the heck? Why not? I can uh, go ahead and uh, just experience God, see what happens. So we were up in the front and they just instructed everybody to put open your hands. And I did that. And all of a sudden, it was like this, it was like I was at the beach, and this huge wave came, and I got knocked down. But it wasn't an actual thing. It was just a wave of God's presence. And I found myself, I couldn't stand, and I was on the ground. And as I was on the ground, I just started weeping. And it was like wave after wave of love, of peace, this amazing moment with Jesus that I had never, ever experienced before. And I remember I had this thought when I was down there. I thought to myself, every single problem I've ever had in my life, every hardship, every broken heart, every, every time my heart was broken or I was frustrated, it was all worth that moment in Jesus' presence. You ever have one of those moments? I mean, it's a beautiful moment. But when you really get encounter Jesus, it's like everything else is worth it. I can live a lifetime of hardship to be in that one moment. I think, is it uh, David said, uh, a day in your court is like a thousand elsewhere. And that's the way I felt. And then I remember I was on the ground, and I thought, man, I would love to experience more of this. So I remember praying. I said, Lord, if you want me to go and visit them, let them give me a personal invitation. So afterwards, when I kind of came to... There was a circle, and they looked at me, and they said, you know what, we feel God wants you to come visit. And I was like, I'm there. So a couple months later, I found myself at this little church in Montevideo, Uruguay, where they speak Spanish, and I didn't speak Spanish at all. So um, so we get there, and they weren't bragging. It was amazing. It was like I'd never seen anything like it. The church, the, the people, all the people in the church, they were just like my grandfather, like Margo, like Minka. They knew, they had this thing with Jesus and I couldn't even speak the language but I just knew it and the services were like 4 to 5 hours they had 3 3 a week and people loved to do it and people this was their most their highest priority and then they loved each other it was such a tight knit family and I was like what do they have so I was like man I'm just going to go to that church and I'm going to pick up where I left off here at that one Sunday night service but the first, the first, I remember the first service, everybody experienced God, and everybody was getting touched except me. And I thought to myself, well, um, you know, that's, that's okay. It's probably jet lag, language thing. You know, I don't own any of those songs. But two weeks into it, same thing. Everybody's getting touched except me. And I remember I got super frustrated. And I was like, and people were looking at me like, what, who are you? I thought you were like the big man of God. And I remember I was alone in my bed one night after one of these frustrating meetings. And I was just like, what's, what's wrong? And I was kind of out of excuses. And then a thought came to my mind. And it really was the Holy Spirit. And the thought came and it said, maybe something is wrong with me. And I was like, that was the only thing I hadn't considered and sometimes the Holy Spirit will whisper to you during your most frustrated moments. You, you, ever, you ever notice that? And so in God's hands, sometimes frustration is a gift. You ever, been the, you ever have those revelations from God that are birthed out of frustration? And sometimes God frustrates us because He wants to satisfy us. Because we're eating the wrong thing, so to speak. Or, you know, he, he frustrates us because he's like, no, you need to be over here. But anyway, so then I prayed a prayer after that thought, and that prayer changed my life. And this is what I said. I said, Lord, if there's something wrong with me, please show me. I mean, it was a simple prayer. I just said, show me. And it was one of those prayers where it was just like, I knew God heard me. It was like I shot an arrow and it hit the mark. And then I just felt that God heard me and I couldn't sleep. And then all of a sudden after I prayed that, it was just like I got tired and I went to bed. And when I experienced, what I experienced when I woke up the next morning was the beginning of Jesus shining his light into my life. The light of the Holy Spirit focused on me, in my heart, in the depths of my soul. And I started to see some of the ugliness of my own heart. And God revealed three main issues in my heart, which are probably the three common issues of, of mankind. He, he showed me the lust of my flesh, the lust of my eyes, and the pride of life. John talked about it in 1 John two sixteen. God showed me my lust, my pride, my selfishness. And when his light came on there, they were so ugly and he was showing me my heart and it was dark full of pride selfish and it was sinful and up until that point i had never really seen it before because in in our own de- sometimes we're self-deceived and unless jesus shines his light on our heart we don't even know who we are because the bible says we are born in sin and compared to him we're ugly we all have our own issues. And it was a scary moment. It reminded me of a place in um, New Mexico. It's called Carlsbad Caverns. Anybody ever been there? Carlsbad Caverns? Yeah, a couple people. Well, I've never been there, but from what they say, you can pay a ranger to go about 700 feet, 750 feet underground for a tour of cave that provides the opportunity to experience total and complete darkness. And they say that the darkness in that cave proves to be unnerving even for the bravest adults when you turn off the lights. I see someone who went there shaking their head. And you know, the fact is darkness is uncomfortable. And we strive to avoid it. We don't want to show people our dark side. And oftentimes we think we have to show God our good side. But oftentimes God wants to show us what's really in our heart and that's where the light of Jesus comes in. See, there's a darkness spoken of in the Bible where only the light of Jesus can dispel, and that's the darkness of sin. It's the darkness that we feel when our guilt is exposed. It's the darkness we experience in those quiet spaces in life when we are faced with our fears, our frailties, and the weak and worthless things we use to try to hide them. You ever have those kind of moments? It's the darkness we try to avoid when we, in our most honest moments, are confronted with our own sinful morality. And that's how I felt. But I wasn't in a cave that I could climb out of. This was in my heart. So I became broken. I was scared. So what did I do? Well, growing up in church, I, I, you know, I knew you had to pray. So I started praying And in the beginning, I I just like started repeating the Lord's Prayer. Um, It's funny when you're desperate and you're confused and you're in darkness, you just start doing tradition. So I did the Lord's Prayer, and then I started repeating the sinner's prayer. And, you know, I'm not Catholic or anything, and I don't remember, but I might have even done a couple rosaries. (laughs) But nothing worked. And then I got to a point where I cried out desperately to God like I was drowning. You ever see the Titanic movie? And the ship went down and after it went down there was all the people who jumped off and they were still in the water. They were still swimming and they knew they were close to death. They had moments before they would freeze and go under in the icy waters and there was boats in the distance and they're come back and they were crying out, "Come back! Come back!" And I couldn't see any boats in the distance, but I felt the darkness. And I didn't even know what to pray. And all I can say was, God, oh God, oh God, oh God. And sometimes God can lead you to these dark moments where there's no hope because you're looking inside. And all you can say is, oh God, oh God, oh God. But God heard my cry on the morning of August 11th, 1991. I was there at church and nobody knew I was having this battle inside. And I had my eyes closed and I really wasn't saying anything because I didn't even know what to say. And so I remember I stood there and I was just asking God to, to really reach out and touch me. To remove that darkness that he showed me I had. And all of a sudden it was like I, my eyes were closed but I saw inside my soul. It was like this explosion and it kind of like generated like my belly button area. I don't know why. And it went through my whole body and in an instant I was light. And I saw the light of Christ in my life. And immediately, I knew it was God. I knew it was Jesus. And it was beautiful. It was pure. It was holy. It was supernatural. And I experienced a peace that I'd never felt before. And I had this amazing contentment. And in my and then afterwards I remember for months afterwards, in my mind's eye, sometimes I'd close my mind and I mean close my eyes and pray, and I could actually see glimpses of that light. And it was beautiful, it was brilliant. And 1 Peter 2 9 really became a reality to me when Peter says uh, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him of Jesus, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I was just like, I just was praising Jesus because I went from darkness to light. And it was wonderful. So that day I realized that those three things that give you life when the light of Christ came in my life, who I was, I was dark, hopeless, and without real life. Who Jesus is, Jesus is the light And the light is life. And who I am? Well, I am a new creation in Christ. I went from darkness to light. And after this amazing encounter with Jesus, I thought I would never have a problem again. You know, I was on such a high. But soon, I realized that this light of Christ is actually trapped within the sinful flesh of mine. I soon realized that I still sinned. I blew it, I'd get scared. I'd get worried. I was human. But I realized that I had not become the light myself, but that I had the light of the world living inside me, and that light was Jesus. But I had this amazing assurance of salvation like my grandfather, like Margot, like Minka. There was never a question in my mind again after that, that who Jesus said he was, was who he was. He's the way, the truth, the light, the life, the light. And I knew that I knew that I knew. And the greatest debater, a room full of the greatest debaters, couldn't have talked me out of it, because I knew it and I saw it in my mind's eye. And then I had this unwavering hope that when I die, I will see Jesus face to face in a world with absolutely no darkness. Isn't that our hope? And when you encounter Jesus, you will have confidence that he is the light, and there is light, and where there is light, there is life. And the second thing that happened in your life when you experienced the light of Christ is Jesus promises that he will illuminate your path. Jesus promises that he will illuminate your path. In the ancient days, travelers would walk with a lamp to guide them, so like an Indiana Jones. But today, cars have headlights, we have flashlights, and as followers of Jesus, he leads us as light. Through his word, the Bible, how many times were you at a crossroads, and you were wondering or you were praying or you were troubled, and that morning, as you were reading the scriptures, something spoke to you. It was Jesus shining the light of what you needed that day through his word. How many people have ever had that happen? How many people had it happen recently? Yeah, amen. And also through the gentle voice of the Holy Spirit. It says the Holy Spirit will guide us. He'll comfort us. And oftentimes when we get to the secret place, those quiet places, our prayer closet, you seek God and the Holy Spirit will shine his light on you and guide your path. And when Jesus is your light, it's kind of like a nightlight. Remember those? You know, it's helpful when you wake up in a darkened room so you're not bumping in the hallway wherever you're trying to go in the middle of the night when it's dark. And how many, how many people as a kid used to sleep with a nightlight? I did. You know, it made me feel good and uh, I felt secure just because of that light. And when Jesus comes to us as we're trapped in our world of darkness and tells us that if we look to him, we won't have to stumble and fumble our way in life. In fact, not only will his light illuminate our path now, but his light will also lead us to life everlasting. And that's his promise. So, when, back to my forest home experience, so we finally made it to the zip line, the night zip line, and it was all lit up, uh, and we, like, looked at each other. I think we both had a couple more gray hairs that night. Um... And it was just, we had a great time. But we we saw the kids there, and the kids had the flashlight. So on the way back, you know, we went through the same path, but we had a light, and we made it home, and we weren't scared at all. When we heard a a bush, I mean, you know, something in the, the bushes, we would shine the light, and it was like, oh, that was just an acorn or something, no big deal. So as a church, we need Jesus as the light of heritage now more than ever. And these last several weeks have been very challenging. I know they've been challenging for me. They've been challenging for many people. And to be honest, I've had lots of moments of discouragement, as probably a lot of us have. And we fee- it almost feels like the darkness has been gaining ground, you know, outside, inside. But as I was seeking God about this this week, I felt God shine his light on our future. I saw a glimpse of the path ahead, and it brought me hope. Um, and it was when I had a conversation with Gary Ray this week. Gary Ray is like the most positive guy you ever have have met if you 're feeling down, give Gary ray a call he 'll pump you up. <laughs> so we were just talking about certain things, and he 's like, "Oh yeah, you know what? Um, I wanted to share this dream I had so the year before he left uh, to go to Nashville, it was like seven years ago he had a dream, and the dream he was in Heritage and he had a champagne bottle and he was popping it open and it was spraying and he was shaking it. And it was like there was this celebration going on. And there was a celebration because they were celebrating and cheering because what God had done here at our church. And he felt that it was for the future and it's for a time, hopefully short time, that's coming. And it kind of confirmed that some of the words we got the end of last year, the beginning of this year, about the best is yet to come. And sometimes when it's dark, you can't see that. You're like, ah, how could the best be yet to come? It's too dark. I'm too scared. It's not going to happen. But then all of a sudden, God reminds you of a promise or shares a new promise with you, and it's like his light comes on your path, and it gives you hope. So I want to close this morning with a statement from King David. Who, in this, this statement he made, it was a very dark time in his life. He was the king of Israel, but his kingdom was falling apart. It felt like the best days were behind him. His son Absalom was trying to take the throne, and there was a lot of enemies, and they were out to get him, and they, were, they, drove, they drove him out of the kingdom, and he ran for his life. And it felt like there's all this division and things are hopeless. For sure, Israel will fall this time. And he went to, But he went to his secret place with God, like David often did. And he poured out his heart. He met with God. And he said, God, this is how I'm feeling. Lord, the enemy, you ever read some of those psalms? The enemies are coming, and they're destroying me. And, and sometimes he'd fight back and go, God, get them. <laughs> but then he would just pour out his soul and he's like, Lord, I trust in you no matter what. It was probably one of those moments where he was in that secret place, and he was trying to get perspective and hope. And at this moment, one of the darkest moments in his life, he sat down and wrote these words, and I want those words to echo in your soul this morning. This is what he said. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? And that, those words eventually became Psalms 27, 1. And the Lord's light and salvation, it lit lit David's path even in the darkest of nights. And his kingdom ended up being restored to him. And Jesus eventually came from David. And you too can say that this morning. You know, because at the end of the day, David was able to say, whom shall I fear? We can say that this morning too. Whom should we fear? Because Jesus is the light of the world, we have confidence that he is our light and our salvation. And let's ask us that question. Whom do we have to fear? And it's really a statement. It's not a question because we know the answer. Whom shall we fear? We shall fear no one. Why? Because we have Jesus. He is our light and God is with us. So I'm going to ask Paul to come on up right now. And he's going to close us with a real special song. It's an old school song. Might sound new to you guys, um, but it's all about Jesus. And I want to encourage you to actually come and do business with God this morning. These altars have been closed for a while because we haven't been able to meet. But I'm going to trust you that you guys will social distance yourself. But I want to invite anybody who feels prompted to come up and just do business with God here. And get in touch with Jesus again, the light of the world. Let him give you and renew your life this morning. Let him illuminate your path and show you the way. You know, as Paul plays a song, please come up to the front and let Jesus touch you and let Jesus give you his confidence, clarity, hope, strength, peace, healing, love. And I would encourage you to stay and don't leave until you can honestly say, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So let's pray. Lord. You are our light. You are our salvation. And there's no one to fear. No circumstances, no person. No attack from the enemy. Because you are king. You are God. And you love us. Forgive us of doubting, Lord. And Lord, as we pour out our hearts before you this morning, I just ask you to touch every single person, wherever they're at in their time and need. Thank you for listening. We hope you tune in next week. For more information, go to heritagesc.org.